Good morning. So I get to tell you a fun story today. Can you hear me okay? Is it a little echoey? You good? Last time it was funny. Please raise your thumbs if you can hear me. Okay, awesome. Let's start with prayer. Father God, you are so good to us. in the storms of life, whether you calm the storm or you calm your child. And I pray that this story will lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just came back from Florida where I was there over a month helping my dad recover from Hurricane Ian. And this is a little story of God's kindness in the eye wall of the storm. Because in Rotonda West, they never got the eye. They were in the eye wall for seven hours. And I considered when I was thinking about telling this, why am I telling this? And, and the main thing I considered is, Will this discourage people who things don't work out for as wonderfully as they've worked out for my dad, not to scoop this? But sometimes I'm afraid to tell stories of God's goodness because I know we don't always see it in the present. And there are some times we don't see it yet, and maybe not until Jesus comes. So I wrestled with it, and then I thought, when we don't tell our stories of God's faithfulness, he doesn't get glory. And so my prayer today is this will be fun and interesting and it will give Jesus glory and it will encourage you to trust him more. So, huh. I did it right, Jay. I, there we go. Okay. So, I want you to consider this question. What experience in the past gives you reason to trust God now and in the future? This is a picture of my dad's canal. So he lives on the corner of a canal in Rotonda West, which is near Inglewood, which is near Port Charlotte, Florida. And my dad, sends my brother and I, at least twice a week, pictures from his yard and of his house because he loves it. And God helped him find that house after a particularly difficult period in his life. So this is one of the pictures of dad's house. He loves motorcycles, he loves a little car. At 81, he rode his motorcycle from Florida, down to San Antonio, Texas, out to California, got my brother and out to Alaska and back. So that was four years ago. This is what he always says, this is his catchphrase, I'm living in a constant state of thankfulness. He will say, Alicia, why am I so blessed that I would have this house in this beautiful place? So this is the background to the hurricane. He'll say, look at that cloud. God is such an amazing artist. He, my dad is an artist, 
And since I was very young, he would say, look at that sky, look at those clouds, look at that tiny little flower. God is an amazing creator. And this is the kind of thing I get from him on a regular basis. So when I heard that Hurricane Ian was headed toward my dad's, I was worried. And I prayed, Jesus, please don't let this hit my dad's community. Please don't let this hit my dad's community. But if you could see really clearly here where the red is, the deepest red, that's my dad's community. Hurricane Ian is the second deadliest storm to strike the continental US this century, just behind Hurricane Katrina. It strengthened to a category four before it made land. And a category four is 131 to 150 miles per hour. A category five is 156. Do you see how close that is? And where my dad was for seven hours straight in the eye wall, it was constant at 150 with gusts of up to 170. And that's what that place sustained. 109 people in Florida died and three people who lost everything, at least three, because one of the guys I talked to that helped with the roof his neighbor knew at least one personally when all their property was damaged. They didn't know what they had to live for anymore, and they took their own lives. This is just a little picture off, um, I think it was uh, ABC. Hurricane Ian decimates the community of Rotonda West. That's my dad's community. It's built in a circle, and it's like a maze, and I can't ever find my dad, so thank God for GPS. But that little community was horribly, horribly decimated by Hurricane Ian. I wanna thank God, because my dad would usually stick it out, and I believe it was my, my dad's guardian angel and the Holy Spirit that said, go ahead and leave your little house. So he went near Orlando where my middle son Nathan and his wife Karen and my little baby girl Flo, who you'll get to see Thanksgiving, live. And he waited out the storm there. Now, there was a video I wanted to show you. And true to form, whenever I speak, something goes wrong. I hope that we can get this video or something <laughs> like <laughs> it. Okay. So that's the community. And I don't know if you can skip to one minute and 38 seconds up there, but if you can, do it. Super. This just gives you, I just want you to hear. For seven hours. And it just got worse. Stop signs were blown down. Palm trees that are standing now did not make it. Roofs were blown off. This area, that's my dad's community. You couldn't 
even look. I don't know why this guy is out here. He's crazy. Because it got worse and worse for seven hours. And that's where he lives. Thank you, Jay. I wanted you to just get a feel for seven hours. There were people in that community that I talked to that were terrified. When is the next tree gonna fall? Is it gonna fall on my roof? Is it gonna fall in my bedroom? They were, they had post-traumatic stress because that was a really, really scary storm. Can you imagine for seven hours? This is a video of my dad's house. So my son, Nathan, and my dad, the minute my dad got up the next morning, they were in the car. My dad's little car, little convertible, my dad is watching, I don't remember dad, I think it's a Toyota, really low to the ground. And my son's Prius, really low to the ground. And they're going on I-4 through a lot of water. They were out fast, not soon after that, they closed I-4. And I get some video from Nathan saying, well, we're about to go through this. I hope we make it. And then miles, convoys, truck after truck after truck after truck after truck of electrical cars, trucks going to fix the electricity issues. We have all sorts of problems in our country, I know. But I love America still, and that kind of response was amazing. So I want you to see when my son got there, this is a little video of what it was like. You saw my dad's really neat house. He keeps everything perfect, all the yard, everything. There's still so much more. <laughs> They're picking up stuff. So his back porch roof flew off over the house and then my guess is it was right side up and then one edge hit here the other edge hit here and then it flipped over and stayed there and if only there's a little trail if only it had landed in the road then i wouldn't have to get up Here's the destruction that it took with it. There used to be a pool cave over that. Big old gust of wind just to rip that baby right off. There's a two by four through my dad's windows. That'll be fun to get the shingles out of. 
Then everything got wet in the house. Like there was no roof. That's the generator in here. The part the ceiling. Here's the weird thing. Look, all the pictures are still on the wall in that room. Thank you. So this is my dad's lanai, before and after. Do you see that beautiful lanai with the palm trees reflected in the water and the gorgeous sky? Can you see the devastation next? When Nathan started to send pictures of the house, I think that my son Gable said it best. He said, this is much better and much worse than we ever imagined. Because a neighbor had texted my dad and said, your house is completely gone. So when they arrived, dad's thinking, slab. And so dad was thrilled to find something that he could rebuild. But it was a mess. That's the kitchen. There's a huge hole in the roof. And you can see the debris not only of the ceiling on the floor and the drywall, but there was insulation everywhere. And it was, it was just a mess. The first couple of nights, we slept on the floor on a mattress amidst insulation, but it was wet, so I don't think it entered our lungs. <laughs> so that's what we arrived to. My, my brother, Chet, who lives in California, I'm so thankful for him. He brought tarps and plastic with him because there were no tarps or plastic at Home Depot or Lowe's or anywhere around. That's my dad's bedroom. And that's the bathroom. If you really needed to go, you'd need to brush that off. That is the roof, part of it. And that's my dad and I. I went to Panera because I had heard that, you know, we could use the internet there. But it was so blazing hot. And so we were hoping to eat inside and I was continuing to do what I was doing on the website for FEMA. And um, also GoFundMe. Because friends kept saying, um, you need to start a GoFundMe, you need to start a GoFundMe. And my brother was saying, you need to get on FEMA right away, which I did. But I, it was hard to find internet. I started in, uh, after I saw my granddaughter Flo, I ended up at my dad's on the Tuesday after the storm. And um, I want to tell you two things about Panera. One is I was in Longwood or Apopka, Altamont Springs, and I was working on the FEMA form. But as I went up to order, I must have had distress on my face because the lady said, are you okay? And I said, I'm just worried. I need to get down to my dad because he was just in a hurricane, but I need to get this going and he has no electricity or service. And she said, I'll pray for you. And she came and brought food to me and checked on me. Here we're at another Panera 
And you know, I was good. I didn't cry once. We just worked 12 to 14 hours a day. You want a good diet plan? Work 12 to 14 hours a day in the hot blazing sun and there's no electricity so it's never cool in the house and I ate three meals a day. But I could not eat very much because it was so hot. One of my um, main purposes there, besides to help in any way I could, was to make three meals a day. I'm gonna come back to this in a second. If you are in a hurricane, these are the things I wish for you. A generator, which we had hooked up to the refrigerator, so we had food. A little camp stove with two burners, so I could make just about anything I needed. And a headlamp, because at night, when I'm sweeping up insulation, I could see. And, strangely, those little things you put by the sidewalk that are solar-powered, um, the little lights, you can put them out for the day and use them as lamps at night. And if you can choose, which you probably can't, choose water over electricity. Because you can keep things clean, you can wash, etc. So, we were doing okay until my good friend Krista set up the GoFundMe and funds started to come in. And we would look down and we would see people from our very first church that we hadn't seen for 26 years who donated. And from our second church and from our third church and from every church people donated, from this church as well. And again, it was okay until we would see those come in, and then I would just cry. And this picture of me crying. <laughs> and um, we, there were no places at Panera, even outside, so I asked a lady, can we come sit with you? And she said yes. She was on the phone most of the time. As she was getting off, she saw me crying, and she said, are you okay? She said, God is good. He will be with you. And I said, I know. I just want to tell you that God has helpers everywhere. Um, Mr. Rogers used to say, because this came from his mother, if your kids are looking at a devastating crisis on TV, tell them, look for the helpers. There are always helpers. And God sent helpers in every way. He has 7,000, as he said to Elijah, who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Here's the first quote I'm going to give you from my dad. This was when he got there, and Nathan, all the devastation, when I got there, he said this, I'm not depressed. I have no regrets. When I lay in bed at night, I'm just thankful. I could just have a slab and that would be devastating, but I have pictures, he's a photographer, and the piano, I'm so thankful. My dad was in a constant state of thankfulness. I wanna tell you that as we stood in line in the hot blazing sun to fill out the forms for FEMA to finish, because I was really scared I was gonna make one mistake, and that was gonna make the things not work for you know months and months. Dad doesn't have insurance. He is 85, he lives alone, he's um, a vet, and, you know, my brother and I were worried. 
and we're standing in line for FEMA, and I want to tell you something you didn't see on the news. There were people of every shade, color, ethnicity, and um, age, and they were helping each other. And they were making sure an older lady had a chair, even if it was theirs. They were making sure, did you get water? Hey, did you know that T-Mobile over there is giving out, um, what is this called, storage things to make your battery on your phone? You know what I'm talking about, like you, you doesn't matter. To make your, I don't care, a charger. They're giving out chargers. And they said, um, hey, and, and there's some people here, maybe you should talk to them. They're talking about helping with roofs. So two people, the most wonderful young woman and a man approached us and they were talking to us and saying, we can come help. We're volunteers with Team Rubicon. Anybody heard of Team Rubicon? They are amazing. They're 75% vets, 25% just awesome people. And they were just there to help. These are people who have jobs, who volunteer one week of any crisis, any devastation that happens. And they were listening to my dad's story. and that he was 85, single, vet, et cetera, no insurance. And the man started tearing up a little and he said, where were you yesterday? We were looking for people like you. And they were part of God's answers to prayer. Okay, so my dad said, I can sleep at night, I have no regrets. Well, here's one of the things he just had to do save the palm tree. He wanted to save the palm tree. So you see his little car, that little car complains to me when I drive it, because you would not believe the things that my dad has carried in that car. And now they're trying to pull the palm tree up. Well, it's not working, so in the middle of the night, my dad draws a plan. And the plan is not to pull the palm tree up, the plan is to use the weight of the car to They'll jack up the car and then let the weight of the car pull that huge palm tree up a little. And then they're going to move the car further, jack it up, and do this. You guys, there's a canal right there. They were so close to the canal, I could not believe that car did not go into the drink. I'm just praying, dear Jesus, please help nobody to get hurt. This just looks so scary to me. And please help the car not to go into the canal. But it worked, and they got it perfectly straight. My dad and my brother are just amazing. They can do anything. Um, I want you to see that's the ceiling in the kitchen. You cannot, you should not feel good about your house if you can see the sky through the ceiling and the roof. And I, I don't know if you can see it well on the other side, but there's plastic up, so my brother stapled plastic up so that it wouldn't, you know, rain on us. And so it would quit raining insulation because there was no sense sweeping up the insulation because with every gust, more insulation fell. And so once we got the plastic up, we could start sweeping the insulation. That's my brother and I up on the roof. I had a lot of exciting experiences. I got to go up on the roof and put tarp down. It was blowing so hard. We're just trying to keep the tarp down 
so he can do the front of the house. It felt like three steps forward, two steps back, because we got the tarps up, and then, I mean, yeah, and then the insulation would get everywhere. So you get the um, plastic up, and then because, um, well, then it's going to rain. And we're like, Jesus, please don't let it rain. Well, it did rain, and um, this is before Chet went home. And so then it's leaking in the kitchen. And every time I'm cleaning the kitchen, because what I wanted to tell you, my dad's a diabetic. So I'm there for three meals a day, three meals a day on time because he needs it for his diabetes and because I feel like it's good for morale to eat three times a day, yummy meals. So Chet goes home. That's my brother. He was, I was so proud of, that's my big little brother. And we spent about an hour on the beach one day before he went home. Otherwise, we're working like little woofing dogs. And now, a brief interlude, I had to go up for a day, I had to, and babysit little Flo because Nathan had a meeting and Karen needed to go to clinicals and they're like, can you please come up? So I got to see little Flo. And by the way, people have expressly asked to see pictures of little Flo, so I don't feel too bad for telling you. I want to tell you something that happened on the way up. Traffic is moving fast, but it's not bumper to bumper. And I see one of those electrical trucks do like this and then overcorrect, and then overcorrect, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and slowing down, he's not gonna make it. He flipped over, and then flipped over again, landed on the top of the truck. So I slow down, and another person slows down, and I'm shaky, I'm dialing 911, and I think, I'm about to go see a dying man, or a dead man, or pray for a dying man. And I walk up, and out of nowhere, an Advent help nurse has come, a policeman has come, out of nowhere. How? I don't know. It's within seconds. They stop, too. The man is sitting on a hill with just a couple gashes. Like, what in the world? He speaks Spanish, so does the nurse. I ask him to translate, and I just said, God just saved your life. He has a plan for your life and he loves you so much. You guys, there's so much going on in the world all the time. But I got in, I got to take a little flow to um, swing and to the library, and then we're back in 93 degree weather and um, inside, sleeping on mattresses on the floor. And um, you guys, it was third world conditions. It was a mission trip the whole time. And here Team Rubicon comes, Jesus in a hard hat. They're mucking out the drywall because it's wet wall and mold grows fast in Florida. And um, they were awesome. This is an 18-year-old boy who came. These people were amazing. And I, the electricity was on by then. And so I was able to make blueberry muffins. And I gave them all blueberry muffins. And we had a great time. They were amazing. Okay, Thing, electricity is getting back, service is getting back, and there is so much, there's so many wonderful pieces of furniture by the side of the road. I'm just telling you, if I had had a truck, we would have picked up so many chairs, 
and we would have just had a chair shop because my dad can fix and paint anything. But we had the funnest time. You can't even see it. So that headboard in my dad's room was too big and it was wood. He cut it in the middle, put it together, painted it white, and those chairs, really neat wicker chairs, and the headboards to the beds, those things that have been destroyed, we found by the side of the road, and we thought we were so fun. And we put it in that little um, convertible, and I don't know, that was just a fun part of it for me and for Dad. Three steps forward, two steps back. You can see in these rooms, it's just studs now. So after cleaning the kitchen of insulation, cleaning the kitchen of ants, then cleaning the kitchen because it's dripping from the storm, then we had a rat. And then I'm cleaning everything again because of little rat droppings. So that's what I mean. You work so hard and then something else happens, something else happens. This is a new roof. And this is a miracle. Do you know how many people will wait almost a year for a roof there? So I finally got through to a lady who tried to get us to buy a roof the summer, uh, well, the time I was there when Dad had COVID. And I texted her, and I got through to her. And he sa she said, is this the guy who lives on the corner? Is this Bert? And I said, yes. I love him. I will be there tomorrow, and I just, she texted back later, I just moved him to the top of the list. I just told my, my um, boss I want him in the top three. There are over 100 people on the list. You'll have a roof within two to three weeks. She came over. She sat down. You don't have any idea what a big deal this is. She sat down. She stayed. She ate a little bit. And she texted me. I said, I'm just in tears over here. She said, it's going to be all right. People are taking care of your dad. And they did. My dad is somebody who has stopped by the side of the road, who helps people carry a heavy package, who opens the door, who cuts the neighbor's tree down, who walks a dog, who does their lawn still. We are in the parking lot of Home Depot trying to get things to fix, fix his house. And he sees a guy trying to get a refrigerator onto his truck by himself. And my dad says, hey, can I help you? And I'm thinking, and I'm saying to the guy, no. My dad goes over, helps him put the refrigerator on. And you guys, kindness comes back. Kindness matters, and it comes back. And I feel like everybody that my dad had ever helped or representatives came back to help. And people kept sending money through Venmo, through Zelle, through checks, through GoFundMe. And every time we would thank God and every time we would cry. It was only when people would send money. We were just working. The kindness is what made us cry. Every night, Dad and I would have worship together and we would pray and Dad would just keep saying, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. He would say these things, and I would write them down. This old daddy of yours has really been blessed. Every time I look at that picture of Jesus on the refrigerator, I tell him thank you. I just want to tell you, 
that I have a mom too. And I went to see her on the way home. Why? Because I had to let her know I'd never been there for a while. I had to stay the whole, like, five days. And I wanted her to know you don't have to have COVID or a catastrophe for me to come visit. So that's my mom. We had a couple good days together. And I was asked to do Sabbath school with my cousin-in-law, Bill Kilgore, at Southern Adventist University. And so in preparation for that, because he wanted me to talk about the hurricane, I texted my dad. He didn't know what it was for. And I just said, Dad, why do you always have such a good attitude? And all the way through the hurricane, he did not say one mumbling word, not one complaining word. I said, why do you have such a strong trust in God? And this is part of his answer. Jesus has always held my hand. Even when I was stumbling, I felt his presence. Now listen, I want to tell you, my dad is not a saint. My dad's a person. I'm not trying to lift anyone but Jesus up here, although I love my dad. Can you believe that even when I was too embarrassed to look into his eyes, he still loved me? And when I asked for forgiveness, he cleansed my heart. Countless blessings. I could go on endlessly. I've always had his arms around me. Then he said, love you, girl. And then he came back and he said, oh, no, the hurricane, you say? I've been through a lot of hurricanes. And my Savior has always brought me through it. There's certain things in life that just happen. And you have to accept it. So why whine over it? As we get closer to the end of time, this hurricane ain't nothing. As you know, our only hope is in the Savior. So guys, I wanted to tell you, because we see these things on the news and we don't realize how they're still affecting people. There was a river in my dad's community. Everywhere, every other house has blue tarps on it. Stop signs down, you have to just kind of figure out, you know, who's going next. Trees down, roofs off. Everybody has a pile of stuff. I don't know how long it'll be before the trees and the lanai parts and the roof parts and the drywall will, be, will take to be picked up. This was something that people will live with for I don't know how long. But I want to tell you that Jesus was good to us. And I know he loves you, and I know he will be good to you. Sometimes the storm happens. Please, Jesus, don't let it hit my dad's community. Okay, why not just hit right where my dad's community is, right at Port Charlotte and across seven hours in the eyewall? How about that? How about all that devastation? But how about Jesus walking through it with you and bringing help? He will always be with you and bring some sort of help. So here's something I want to tell you. Here's our theological. Dad doesn't know I took this, but every night we would read. We were reading Desire of Ages in the Bible. We would pray, and I just snuck a little picture of him. This is what I want to tell you. Here's your little theological bit. In the Old Testament, the word for believe is and that word, it gets translated as belief. But it's not belief, like I believe in God. It's faith. It's 
trust. And when the Israelites were having trouble with fear and Moses was going into the promised land, God said to them, why are you afraid? I was with you. Why aren't you trusting me? And that word isn't just believing. Why aren't you trusting me? And that trust was built on what they had seen him do as he brought them out of Egypt, conquered the Egyptians, parted the Red Sea, manna in the desert. He's not just asking them to believe on nothing. They had experience to trust him. So I read a rabbi's um, exposition on this, and he said, we think faith means trusting that God exists. It's not faith, it's faith, not belief, it's trust. The real journey of faith begins after belief in God. They weren't being asked to have faith that God was real. They were having trust that he would again fight for them like he did in Egypt. And then I thought, I'm gonna look at the word for faith in the New Testament. The Greek is pistis. And do you know what I found in every, every single major theological dictionary or expository or commentary? This. It should be translated trust. Not just believe in Jesus, to trust in him. Do not fear, only believe. Believe should be translated trust. Almost every time, believing is based on the reliability of the one that you were trusting in. So here's my question to you. What are you trusting God for? What are you worried about? What comes to your mind? I know some things I'm trusting God for. My dad's story isn't over. I'm worried about his health. I just quit my job of a decade to start um, a grief consulting, educating, and individual and group um, coaching business. Scary. What are you trusting God for? And then what are your takeaways from this story? I have some takeaways. They might not be the same as yours. God is with us. It's good to be a member of a church because the church community gathered around us from all over the United States. It's good to be a helper because God remembers and he sends help in time of need. See, it's always the helpers that make me cry. What else? I'm telling you what, it's good to live in America, even in a horrible time, a horrible, hard, divisive time. Because do you know what? I'm amazed at this. FEMA came through within a week and a half with enough money to rebuild my dad's roof. What? And those trucks, people were there from Louisiana, from Alabama, from all over to help that electricity get back on. What else are your takeaways?
And what are you trusting God for? That time we were at the beach for just a little bit, there was a beautiful scene in front of me. And my chair was kind of facing towards this place right here. And I like moody clouds. I like all sorts of clouds. And it was cool over there. And I could see a little bit of the sunset. And God spoke to me. He said, turn your chair this way. And if we can play that little video, I want you to see. That's what I was looking at. said to me, it depends on what you focus on. You're going to focus on the dark sky, or you're going to focus on the beautiful sunset I'm giving you. Do you know, even during that time, I had to remind myself, when the rain leaked, when the rat came, focus on the sunset. Focus on the beauty. Focus on the little, beautiful ways God is loving you while you're waiting for the big things to be answered. I want to ask you a question, and I bet a lot of you will know how to answer this. We have nothing to fear for the future unless what? I want to hear it loud. We have nothing to fear for the future unless we forget the way that God has led us in the past. Our hope is built on Jesus on his blood, on his righteousness. I don't think any of you here would be unable to come up with a story of God's goodness. I think I could ask any one of you, and you could tell me a story where God showed up clearly in your life, where God helped you, where he could, you could see his hand. So let's spend time like I did today telling stories of God's goodness. Not because my dad is so special, even though he's so special to me, and he's special to Jesus, because you're special to Jesus. And he sees you, and you have enough to build your faith on today from what he has done for you in the past. Can I get an amen? Is it true? Amen. I'm ending with another flow picture because you know what she's doing? She's saying, yay, Jesus! Yay, congregation at Boulder! Yay, anybody watching! Because if you're trusting Jesus, it's gonna work out. Do you see the joy on her face? You are God's little girl. I don't care how old you are. You are God's little boy. He has you in the palm of his hand. You are the apple of his eye. He is not forgotten you. He knows what you're going through. And you can build your hope on him. And you can trust him through the storm to show up and either calm the storm or be with you during it. And that's what I hope to leave you with. 